Hey friends, this is Josh Blair, and I'm the pastor of Central Valley Church, and this is our podcast. My prayer for the message you hear today is that it will inspire you and encourage you to walk closer with Jesus this week. If you want to stay connected with us, please check us out at CVC Madera, both on Facebook and Instagram. And you can check out our YouTube channel, Central Valley Church. Thank you for watching. A lot of us are feeling the experience of loss and sadness today. And it's something that we're acquainted with. I was just thinking of, uh, and talking to Faith, my wife, earlier about how many people have lost people uh, recently, especially in this last year. And uh, it's something that just sits with us, and it sits heavy on us. And sadly, death and tragedy are a part of life. And the reason why it hits us so hard is because it's, it wasn't supposed to be that way. It wasn't until sin entered our world and brought corruption and destruction. And then that's why we feel the weight of the loss like we do. Because it wasn't supposed to be this way. And yet God has a plan of redemption. And he's working it out in his people. And he's working it out in our midst. And I was even just thinking not only about the weight that I feel with missing my friend who grew his beard out because I asked him to, to be Santa, to be my Latino Santa. <laughs> and I was thinking about him, and then I had a phone call with another gentleman on Thursday, and he told me his son is currently trapped in Afghanistan. And I just thought, man, we need you, Jesus. Our world is broken, and we're hurting. If not hurting for one thing, it's another. And then we began to read through our reading plan, and initially I was telling Faith, maybe I need to take a break from our reading plan because I don't know really how to address the stuff that we're feeling. And what if the reading plan doesn't speak about that? And yet God is perfect in his timing because we read a book that talks about pain and loss and suffering and hurt. And I thought, God, thank you. Thank you for your word. That's always on time. We didn't know that we would be in this place on this Sunday when we started our reading plan back in January, and yet it happens to be that God knew right where we would be, and he would have a word for us from his word. So not only is this text thousands of years old, it's timely even today. So God is speaking to us, and we know that bad things happen in our world. We know that things are going to go wrong. What we struggle with, I think, and what I struggle with is when bad things happen to good people or when we are crying out to a good God to touch a good man or a good woman and we don't get the result that we're asking for, that's a struggle. And as I was thinking about the, the things that happen in our world, typically we, we break it down for two reasons. Would you pray with me today? Just pray for me. I'm, I'm, having a, I'm, I'm struggling. There's, reas there's two reasons that typically we think bad things happen in our world. It's, or bad things happen... Uh, in our lives, and the first one is because of our own sin. 
we know when we've messed up. And we believe that when something bad happens, we're getting the consequence of those poor decisions. But if it's something we haven't done, then we think and we know bad things happen because of poor, poor choices and decisions of other people, and we receive the consequences of those actions. Sometimes we are like collateral damage in a broken world. And to put it in Christian terms, it's either the sin of ourselves or the sin of someone else that causes suffering. And as we read through our reading plan this week, I read through this book called Lamentations. And it's a book of lament. It's called a book of weeping. It's a book of sorrow. And many of us are walking through sorrow today. And God gives us a book because there's nothing in God's word that can't speak to where we're at every day. And in this book of sorrow, it's written after the fall of Jerusalem when a conquering nation comes in, Babylon, where we've been talking about that over the last several weeks because we've been reading about it. And the city is destroyed and people are carried away. But not everyone's carried away. There are some people who are left behind in the city to deal with the chaos and the brokenness and the mess. And the story of Lamentations is from those who've been left behind. And some of us maybe are feeling like with all of the struggle and the pain and the sorrow, we've been felt, we felt like we've been left behind in the mess. And God speaks to us through this book. The author is unknown, but they attribute it to the prophet Jeremiah. We've talked about him. And this book acts as a, as a memorial for the people of Israel who've been left behind in the process to help them process their pain and their confusion and everything that they've experienced. And it's, it's not entirely unique, this book of lament, because we've read portions, and you can read it in, in the Psalms. There are poems of lament, and these, this poetry, this book of lamentations is five chapters of poetry. And it serves this the purpose. And the first one is protest. The book of lament is a protest against the things that ought not to be. And it's wanting to draw attention not only to people, but also to God. Saying, God, why is it the way that it is? It serves as a way of saying, God, there are horrible things that are happening in our world that should not be tolerated. What will be done of it? Not only is it a protest, Lamentations is a, is a book of poems that helps us process our emotions. It helps us to vent anger and dismay at the ruin that's been caused by people's sin and selfishness. How many of you know that God is not afraid of your emotions? God doesn't require you to hide your emotions from him. He doesn't require you to stuff your emotions down and not be exposed. God can handle your questions. God can handle your anger. He can handle your sadness and your frustration because he's God and he can handle it. And, and we understand that through the book of Lamentations. We see 
the brokenness and the questions and the heaviness and the anger. This book also helps us understand a way of voicing our confusion, asking God questions and even questioning God's character and his promises. And maybe some of you are there this morning. You're, you're asking God, are you who you say you are? I've heard that you are good. Are you good? I heard that you said you would never leave me or forsake me or turn your back on me. Is that true? Do you know it's okay to question God and his promises and his character? It's okay to question it. Don't run from the question. He loves the conversation. And he's willing to sit with you in it. God allows us to question and process through these things. Chris, could you bring that up for me, please? What's interesting about the book of Lamentations, thank you, is it consists of five poems. The first four chapters, the first four poems are acrostics, meaning in, in the Hebrew uh, alphabet there's 22 verses, or 22 letters, and in the first four chapters there is an acrostic, meaning A through Z. But what's interesting, why the author wrote that way, it, it appears that he's trying to put order to his chaos. He, he's, he, he's trying to make sense of something that does not make sense for him. And, and he's trying to structure what he's experiencing in a way that he can try to wrap his mind around. And it's as if the author I would attribute to Jeremiah, it's as if the, the prophet Jeremiah is giving us the A to Z of woes and sorrows. Meaning that as he writes, he's saying that there's nothing in this life of sorrow that we have not experienced that I can't write about. There's nothing that we're experiencing today or will experience that God doesn't know how to deal with. And as he writes, he's covering the A to Z's of our brokenness, not missing a single thing. It's very ordered, it's very structured, and it stands in, in great contrast to the disorder and the pain that people are experiencing as he's writing it. In this book, they wrestle with grief and pain and brokenness and confusion, and I can't help but hear God speaking over our grief, over our pain, over our brokenness and confusion, a word that he longs for us to hear today. And that word is found at the turning point of the five chapters. It's found in chapter 3, verses 22 through 24. The reason why it's a pivotal uh, uh, verse, it's actually the entire book hinges on these three verses. There are 66 verses before 
this verse in chapter 3, and there are 66 verses after. And here, we see and hear and read about a glimpse of hope that the author has in the middle of his pain and chaos. The chapters before, chapter 3, verses 22, and after it reflect the people's cry for God's mercy and cry for their city as they're reflecting on the feeling that God has abandoned them because of their own sin and the sin of others. Has anyone ever felt that before? You felt like God couldn't hear you, wasn't willing to listen because of your own sin or because of what maybe has happened to you? As, I, as Jeremiah writes this, it's an interesting thing because as Jeremiah was the prophet who was warning the people that this disaster was coming. He was telling them over and over again, and they ridiculed him. They tried to kill him. They threw him in a dry well. They wouldn't listen. And now as it's happening, he's writing about the pain and the sorrow that he's experiencing with a people who would not heed his voice or listen to his warning. God had warned them over and over continually that if they continued to walk in their sin, they would reap the outcome of their disobedience. And as we read the poems of this book, you can see the despair and the brokenness over their sin. And from the outside looking in, we think that perhaps they're getting what they deserve. I think that we fundamentally believe that people uh, should reap the, the consequences of their poor choices. That's why we have a justice system, right? If you break the law, then you deserve to be punished. Sometimes we think it's, it's okay if, if someone does something wrong, they should be punished. But what about the times when we experience suffering and pain and it isn't our fault? What are we supposed to do? Chapter 3 is from the perspective of the author. And we know that Jeremiah was a man of God. He spoke the words of God. He warned the people of the disaster that was coming. And yet he is now in the middle of the punishment that he was telling the people about. He was saying, we have to turn back to God. We need to turn away from the things that we're pursuing. We need to stop doing wicked things because disaster is coming to us. They did not listen, and now he is part of that collateral damage, even though he's done nothing to deserve it. We read in the beginning part of chapter 3, he describes what he's feeling in that moment. And perhaps maybe some of you are feeling that way as well this morning. He says, God, it feels like you're driving me away. It feels like you've turned away from me. It feels like I'm surrounded by bitterness and hardship. I feel like I'm being walled in where I cannot escape this pain. It feels like I'm being weighed down with chains and my prayers are not being heard. It feels like I'm being a target of insult and injury and I'm being humiliated. And my peace has been taken from me and I cannot sleep. And my hopes and my dreams have been dashed and destroyed. And I am broken and I'm depressed. And it seems completely unfair for him in those moments. 
Why is this man experiencing all of this? It seems that he's a victim of circumstance. He was doing good while everyone else was doing evil around him, and yet he got pulled into the punishment. And it makes me think about his life and that fact that he's lost everything and everyone that he loved and held dear. And for some of us this morning, we're acquainted with that feeling of loss. Losing family, losing a home. For Jeremiah, he lost his place of worship. He lost his hometown. He lost his friends. He lost everything. And he was witnessing everything being stripped from him. And yet his response gives us the answer we're looking for when everything falls apart. And if everything seems like it's falling apart in your life today, I want you to hold on to these words. Found in chapter 3. I'm going to start at verse 21. As he describes, it feels like I've been abandoned. I feel depressed. I feel lonely. I feel like I can't escape this pain. And then he says in verse 21, but this I call to mind. And therefore, I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. He says in 24, the Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. This I will bring to mind. Even though I'm clouded, my thoughts are clouded, I feel surrounded, I feel burdened, I feel heavy, I feel alone, yet I will bring this to mind. And yet I will have hope because his steadfast love has not stopped yet. And his mercy rises with the sun. It's new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. So I can say with complete confidence that no matter what you're facing or how dark the moments are that you're in right now, his love has not stopped flowing to you. His mercy will not end. It flows to us every morning. Bring it to your mind in the moments that feel the darkest. The author is reminding himself of this truth when he feels it the least. Isn't it interesting that when we feel it the least, we need it the most? When we feel like God's love is far from us is the very moment we need it the most. I can't help but think that as Jeremiah after telling the people again that a conquering nation was coming in, he was actually even telling them, we need to surrender to them, we need to, God will cause us to prosper in a foreign land, but we need to, and they said, you're, you're a, a traitor. And they throw him into a, a dry well, and it says he sinks down into the mud, and he's trapped, and he's there. And I can't help but think these are the words that run through his mind as he's abandoned, walled in, the very lowest, literally at the lowest place he's ever been. 
far beneath the ground. And he says this to his own heart. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. They will never come to an end. And maybe you feel like you're in a pit today. Maybe you feel like you're alone today. Hold on to those words. Hold on to them. These three verses are the central theme of the entire book. A book about sorrow, about weeping and mourning, and yet we're reminded that God's faithfulness and his mercy won't quit. God's love and mercy are the central theme of the book of sorrow. What's interesting, too, is that in chapter chapter 3, there are 66 verses, and there are 66 books in the Bible, all speaking of God's love and his mercy towards us. The central theme of the entire word of God is God's love and mercy towards us, not a God of anger or a God of judgment or a God who seeks to condemn the lost. No, it's a God who loved the world so much that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. It's the theme of the entire scripture. Interestingly enough, too, that there's five chapters and if you know numerology at all, I'm not a huge numerologist guy, but Five is the number of grace. And there's five poems in this about sorrow and pain, and yet it's as if the author is writing that throughout all of this, there is still the grace of God. I want to tell you quickly, because sometimes we get confused about mercy and grace, and God's mercy flows to us, and it's new every morning. His mercy is... It stops what we deserve. We deserve punishment for our sin. There is no one who is innocent in this world. We have all fallen short, the Bible tells us, of the glory of God. All of us have sinned, and yet God has mercy on us every morning to give us a new day. And yet his grace flows to us, and his grace is giving us what we don't deserve. We don't deserve his love. We don't deserve his goodness, and yet he gives it to us. So his grace and his mercy flow to us today. So what is the prophet saying? This book focuses on two of the causes of pain and brokenness, our sin and the sin of others. But in relation to both, God's love and mercy is key. Whether we're experiencing suffering and pain today because of the consequences of our own actions or because of someone else's, God's love is always steadfast and his mercy is new every morning. So if you feel the weight of your sin this morning, if there's something that, that is weighing heavily on you and you, just, you feel like, I deserve punishment, God's mercy comes to meet you in the person of Jesus. And he says, you don't have to re receive the punishment because I took it already for you on the cross. All you have to do is receive my free gift and be set free. Because in him, there is life, there's freedom. And if you're suffering this morning because of someone else's actions, 
because you are feeling the weight of collateral damage, the mercy and the love of God is coming to you in the person of Jesus, rising with the sun to give you hope and life and joy again. It's as if Jeremiah is saying, in the midst of my trouble and my pain, God's love meets me and his hope rises with the sun. All of these causes of suffering and pain from A to Z cannot compare to the loving kindness of our Heavenly Father, and it calls us to call out to Him. Not only does this A to Z acrostics in 1 through 4 remind me that God understands all of our suffering and all of our pain, it also reminds me of a few names that we call God the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, and that not only is he the first and the last, he's also the God of the middle, and he walks with us in the middle of it all. If you're taking notes, I want you to write down this point, and it's that God's love and his mercy meet us at the point of our suffering. very depth of your pain and your suffering, God's love and, and mercy meet you there. They're right there with you in the middle of it all. God is the beginning and the end. And he's in the midst of your pain with you. He doesn't walk away from you in your darkest hour. Even if it's something you've done, his mercy waits for you. If it's not your fault, his mercy is there for you. In the darkest hour, he's there for you. I don't know about you, but I'm grateful that his steadfast love never ceases and his mercy never comes to an end. But it's not... Uh, if you're familiar with the book of Lamentation, it doesn't wrap up so nice and neat. And that's how we would love all of our pain and our suffering to just wrap up and be done with it and we can set it on the shelf and go on with our lives. But what's interesting about chapter 5, so the author, as he wrote A to Z to try to make sense of the chaos, in chapter 5, there's still 22 verses, but there's no more acrostic. It's as if the author's saying, I can't hold it together anymore. And maybe some of you are in that place today. You want things to be nice and neat. You've really tried to put, hold things together. You've really tried to keep a straight face. But maybe you're in a place where you've tried to hold it together and yet things are still falling apart and it just feels like chaos. God knows what that feels like, too. God knows where you're at. At the end of chapter 5, if things don't wrap, wrap up so nice and neat, it recognizes the tension between God's goodness and his sovereignty, and yet the feeling of abandonment and loss. And yet the author writes in verse 21, of chapter 5, he's calling out to God because they say, God, we've gone in the wrong direction. And he says to him, 
verse 21, restore us to yourself, O Lord, that we may be restored. Renew our days as of old. And it ends with this question. Unless you're utter, you've utterly rejected us and you remain exceedingly angry with us. And it ends. The author leaves it hanging there without a nice, neat conclusion. Just as many of us have experienced in pain and suffering and loss. Sometimes it feels like, okay, God, we've gone through it. Now give us the answer or come and respond or come and do what you're going to do. And yet sometimes it just feels like we're left hanging out there. We all would love it to be nice and neat, but sometimes it's, it's not and we're not there yet. And it reminded me of the song, It Is Well With My Soul. I don't know if many of you know the history of that song. written in back in 1870-something by a man named Horatio Spafford. He wrote It Is Well. And he wrote it through some crazy tragedy in his life. He had lost his four-year-old son. And then he was financially ruined by the Chicago fire because he had invested heavily in property in Chicago and it all burned to the ground and he had nothing. He was a man of God. He said, well, what we're going to do is D.L. Moody, if you know that name, is hosting a revival in England, so we're going to go help him because we have nothing here. He said, let's get on a boat. We'll go to England, and we'll help him do his crusades. Something comes up. He sends his family, his wife and his four daughters ahead of him because he had business that held him up. And he gets word that the ship that his family was on sank. And four of his daughters died. And he got a telegram from his wife that said, saved alone. And as he got on the boat to be with her, he passed the spot where the ship had wrecked. Where his four daughters had lost their lives and he wrote, it is well with my soul. Though peace like a river attendeth my way and sorrow like steam billows roll, whatever my lot, it is well with my soul. And there he stood. pain, still trusting God. And I look at the question that ended in Lamentations, and thank God that the Bible didn't end with the book of Lamentations. I'm grateful that God still had his people writing, because the question ends, redeem us unless you're angry, unless you're going to push us away forever. And we stand on the other side of history, and we now know the, the answer that God gave then. And his answer was Jesus. They said, will you redeem us unless you're angry? He said, I will redeem you through my son Jesus. The author and the people felt that they had been rejected by God, 
But we know that they were not rejected for long. We know that he sent his only son to step into our pain, to step into our suffering, and take it upon himself on our behalf so that we wouldn't be left alone wondering if God has rejected us because of the pain and the sorrow we're walking through. Jesus was the answer to the question at the end of the book of Lamentations. And if you're writing notes this morning, my second point is this. God's response to our pain and suffering is Jesus. God's response to your pain and your suffering is Jesus. God responded to the author by sending his son, and he responds to us today in our pain and in our grief and in our confusion by sending us his Holy Spirit to draw us closer to him this morning. To redeem us from our brokenness and our pain. As we come to a, a close this morning, I'm going to invite the worship team back up. So what do we do when we're in the middle of great disappointment and pain and struggle and suffering? The call for all of us is to set our eyes on Jesus. To rely on his comfort and his mercy because it's coming to us today. Turn your eyes to Jesus. There's another old song that says, Turn your eyes to Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Turn your eyes to Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you. When we're going through something, we usually have two responses. It's either God's fault. Either we blame him or we can say God is the solution to what I'm facing. So you can either choose to run from God or you can choose to run to him today. My prayer is that we would all run to him because he's the only hope that we have. He's the only He's the only one who can touch the depths of sorrow and pain and struggle that we're in. We may not get what we ask for, but we can have Jesus. And he's the greatest thing that we could ever have. He offers us eternity with him and with those who've gone before us, who've called upon his name. So I want to look to Jesus today. Would you bow to your head, bow your heads, and close your eyes with me as we look to Jesus? Come, Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit.
exactly where everyone is at here or what you're experiencing or what you're even thinking. But if you don't have a relationship with Jesus this morning, then it's my desire to reveal to you who Jesus is, what he's done for you, so that you could have life with him and freedom and joy and comfort and peace. One name for the Holy Spirit is the Great Comforter. The Lord wants to come and comfort you today. And He first wants to bring a hand and a word of comfort to those who don't know Him. That you can put your trust in Him. That He wants to set you free and He wants to be your comforter. So this morning, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, but you want to know his love and his comfort and his peace, then I want you to raise your hand this morning so I can pray with you. On the count of three, I want to give you an opportunity to say, Pastor, would you pray with me? One, two, three, right now, wherever you're sitting, would you raise your hand and say, Pastor, would you pray? I want to have a relationship with Jesus. Thanks for listening to this message. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel to hear past episodes. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to rate it and share it with your friends and help us out a lot. If you're interested in supporting the ministry of Central Valley,